Welcome to Zeal Aging Redefined, where we're changing the narrative of aging and inspiring women 40 plus to age with boldness, confidence, and kick-ass positivity. So join me each week as we have real talk conversations to ensure that people know maturity brings strength, wisdom, and superpowers. Welcome to Zeal, Aging Redefined, where we're changing the narrative of aging and inspiring women 40 plus to age with boldness, confidence, and kick-ass positivity. I'm Stella Ringer, your Chief of Aging Fabulous, and we're here to talk each week about topics that people aren't talking about as women age in mind, body, beauty, and fashion. So today we're gonna focus on the mind piece and you will meet our awesome guest, Dr. Erica Goodwin in a second. And we're gonna talk about the importance of mindset. So you know when people are getting ready to race and it's like ready, set, go? This is mind, set, go. And Dr. Goodwin is gonna give us some tips and tools to kind of help us through as we kind of think through the aging journey and kind of how mental health plays a role. So welcome to the show, Dr. Goodwin. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes. So tell us a little. Now, I heard you were Harvard trained. Mm -hmm. So that means she's really smart, guys, and she knows what she's talking about. So tell us a little bit about uh, your background. Um, The short version is, is I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri, Mm -hmm. but Atlanta is my second home. I came down here to go to Spelman College. So big ups to HBCUs. Um, did med school at Emory, and then I went and did a quick congressional fellowship before going and doing my training for child and adolescent psychiatry up at Harvard. And what I ended up doing is then I started doing community health and traveling around the country as a traveling psychiatrist. So a large part of my career has been being a traveling psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. But eventually I just realized the system just didn't really seem to work well. Mm -hmm. And I'd see so many times where people really weren't getting good mental health care especially people that are in black or brown bodies. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where I even would see, I had family members that had struggled with mental health issues. And I had a cousin even have a heart attack before the age of 40 due to medication mismanagement. Oh, wow. Hmm. So I really realized I had to do something. Right. So the something ended up being, I started actually my own private practice. Nice. Um, started doing some corporate speaking mm-hmm. um, and also started a podcast called Better with Dr. Erica. And it's just all around about helping people be better, do better, and live better, mm-hmm. and helping people shift that narrative of pouring into literally everybody else, showing up for work, showing yeah. up for friends, showing up for family, showing up for their community, and mm-hmm. never showing up for themselves. So I do all of this to help put, put you back in your life. Awesome. And, you know, that's something that I've talked to a few other guests about as it relates to just women in general. Sometimes with all the things that we have going on with family, career, community, like you said, we kind of, you know... And we should, as they say on the plane, put the mask Mm. on who's sitting beside you before you. Uh, But sometimes I know that we also have to ensure that we stay focused on ourselves. Because if we can't, you know, if we're Mm -hmm. not good, we can't take take care of everybody else. So definitely agree with you there. So let's talk about um, this aging thing (laughs) here. And that's, again, Zeal is all about inspiring, educating. We're going to stop there one time. Okay. Did you hate us? Did we let you go? Let you go. Because you she said it was about putting the mask on the person that. It, oh, it's you not. Put, you put on your yourself. mask on first. Yeah. And we said, that's okay. Sorry. Okay. We get, we get, we get, we get Please don't. Like Please I don't want to die, but I want you to live. <laughs> there you go. 
please. Oh, I ain't even gonna say that. I ain't even got it right. Put it on yourself first. Okay, sorry. Let's go. Where I sat. Tell her. I heard you were Harvard trained. No, just from that part where she breaks down the metaphor because she says to her like her whole podcast is about help, like how, helping you like people who are you know are givers and that so it's just mm-hmm. there. Like, so that so you, so you would come so on and say in essence like on the yeah. plane yeah. put the mask on yourself before you put it on somebody else. Yeah, so essentially that's what you're saying. Perfect. Yeah, so I'm glad you mentioned self care. So right. I know yeah, on the boom. plane it's perfect. Put the yeah. mask on yourself. So you don't die first. Okay, there no, you go. joking. <laughs> we need a few more episodes. So you can let, don't tell you, bro. She can be standing on that table on the table. Okay, here we go. Five, four, three. Okay, it's so serious. I don't want to play with that. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <clears throat> He was saying he needed five episodes with me as your guest. Right, I need exactly. A, I need a whole series of Stella and Dr. Erica. <laughs> exactly. Here we go. Okay. Camera's on you, and, okay. Five, four. So, Dr. Goodwin, I know you mentioned self-care, mm-hmm. which is so important. Uh, you know, similar to what they say when you're on the plane, put the mask on yourself first before putting it on someone else. I think it's so important because as women, and I talked to a few other guests about this, that we have so much going on with family and career and community that sometimes we forget about ourselves, whether it's physical health or even mm-hmm. mental health. So thank you for validating the importance of, of self-care. Oh, so, you're welcome. Yes. So let's uh, let's kind of talk about how the mental health piece, self care, etc., kind of transitions into kind of our aging journey for those women forty plus that you know maybe going through changes from a body perspective, um, mind perspective, etc. So when we talk about mindset, um, I think it's something that I've always kind of kind of tip my hat to is that any situation that I'm in, good, bad, or indifferent, I need to always check my mindset. And that helps me determine how I need to move forward. So could you tell us what mindset even means? What does that mean? I look at mindset as it's the way you think, Mm -hmm. but if you kind of roll all together, attitude, beliefs, and values. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all, I always, I call it kind of A squared, like your attitude and your approach to everything. Mm -hmm. And how important, and and even just in your your expertise and people that you've, um, you know, you've counseled, Mm -hmm. et cetera, how important is mindset? It's huge. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I think it's totally huge is the fact that it really sets up the lens Mm -hmm. that you're going to see the world through. Mm just mm-hmm. as there are areas of your mental health that'll totally shift how you see the world, your mindset actually helps you filter information and mm-hmm. what you end up doing with it. So it can really substantially impact your actions mm-hmm. and thus the consequences. Got it, got it. And as women, as we age, as you think about, again, the changes that mm-hmm. we'll go through, menopause, mm-hmm. our digestive system, we've had several guests where we've talked about the importance of physical movement, so how does that all kind of play a role? Where does mindset play a role in that? And I guess it is really kind of how you approach each, mm-hmm. each thing, but you're the expert here. I'd love to hear from you. I just love how you keep saying I'm the expert. <laughs> you are, you went to Harvard. I'm the expert. 
I love how you say Harvard. I mean, I feel like I need you on speed dial. Can, can you be on speed dial I in will. my phone? Mm-hmm. And then I need to put this cool picture of you looking oh. like sunshine, positivity, <laughs> I guess kick-ass positivity. Yes, and everything. you can't say positivity without saying kick-ass. Yes, so I, I need that in my phone. So okay. like, okay, it I'm shows up you. on my phone. I'm here for you. You know, and I hope your iPhone, so it'll be blue messages. <laughs> I'm here for you. I'm here for you. Um, but how it really just shows up, especially in aging, is your mindset's going to have a lot to do with how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. And all of these things are really linked. So when you're starting to age, there are a couple of things from a mental health standpoint that are going to be happening developmentally. Okay. You're going to be looking at productivity. Mm-hmm. You're also going to be looking at legacy. And you'll also be looking at identity. And those things, the lens that you see that through is going to make a huge difference in your confidence, Mm -hmm. how you feel about yourself, and how you relate to other people and what your priorities are. And one of the things that I think is just so big for so many people is how your mental health not only impacts your physical health, but also impacts your ability to have healthy relationships and connections. Mm. And those relationships and connections, which we've really seen over the pandemic when people were forced to be more separated, are are really critical to all of us as human beings, whether you consider yourself an introvert, extrovert, or Mm -hmm. an ambivert. Got it. And I think, you know, as you think about the pandemic and even my experiences with, with colleagues, especially women, you know, it was a different time. Like our son is in college, but I had colleagues who Mm -hmm. had you know, children at home during the pandemic and back to that kind of self-care and women having so much to do, we would be on calls, work calls, and one lady just lost it. She lost it. Her kids were mm. kind of crying in the back. She was try- she tried to hire somebody to help them with homework. She was trying to work. And, you know, it was just, it was eye-opening, I think, mm-hmm. for for a lot of us who did not have the kids at home as an as an additional element to the pandemic. So as we think about, again, just all of the things from an aging journey, from just women in general, kind of what tidbits do you have around kind of mental health? And if we're going through like an anxiety attack or something, how how do you kind of cope or are there coping mechanisms for that? You know that was more than one question. That was. That was. I just want to make that sure was. you know that, was. that I know that, was more that you than know. One question. It's all good. Okay. Okay. You we, got them all? Though. Yes, I okay. got it. Um, the first thing is as far as major things that people can do is, you know, I boil it down to really three things. Mm-hmm. One is to make yourself a priority. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, if you do not take care of yourself, it impacts your physical health. And worst case scenario, you could die. Mm-hmm. You can't take care of people and do all these things for all these people if you're either in horrible health and in rehab Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or you're dead. So the first thing is, is you're going to be able to age better and live with more longevity with a higher quality of life in that life. Um, If you actually start learning and making habits that are going to prioritize your own self, because that gives you more space Mm -hmm. to help others. The next Mm -hmm. is just really being able to do the things that are going to hold space for you. Um, I think that's huge in your mental health because for a lot of people, especially I think everybody's seen it, you've probably even seen it in your friends, Mm -hmm. where there are people you would usually call if you're feeling a little stressed out and they're on the struggle bus too. Then your brain starts going, should I call them? I don't want to stress them out, but they're going through this. But what I'm going through isn't as bad as what they're going through. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's finding those safe spaces, which is one of the reasons I believe everyone should actually have a therapist. And I was just going to... You don't need to be in a crisis to have a therapist. The best time to see all of us is when you're actually not in crisis. Um, The next thing is is really looking at how you can get things off your plate. I feel Mm -hmm. like as women, we're totally taught how to put more things on the plate. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and you're taught that it's not right if you didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and getting to a space where you can accept help. Okay. Um, that is totally huge. And the last one, because I'm not going to take over with one question that was like five questions. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dr. Good. You're doing great. It is all good. The last is actually putting together your wellness team. Hmm. All of those people that are going to be supporting your wellness. Okay. You know, from your primary care provider to... Um, your OBGYN or whoever takes care of your women's health to potentially a mental health professional. Um, and it could be a variety of things from, mm-hmm. you know, chiropractors, acupuncturists, naturopathic physicians. There are just a multitude, massage therapists, multitude right. of people that can be on this wellness team. Mm-hmm. But I think it's good to start having these habits where you put together the team you need to support you because mm-hmm. you're going to feel better. Yeah. And when you feel better, you can be better, do better, and live better. Love it. So you answered them all. <laughs> Even though that was five questions in one, <laughs> you answered them all. But I do want to go back to the therapist piece because I think now people are more accepting, but I know there was, I would say, especially in the black mm-hmm. community, there was a, a stigma there if you went to a therapist. Mm-hmm. But I know you mentioned the best time to talk to a therapist is when you are doing well. So can you expound a little more on that? There is this cultural belief, and it's it's big in our community, but it's it's everywhere, is that you see mental health professionals when you're about to, you want to kill yourself, you're about to kill somebody else, or you're hearing people talk that aren't there. Mm-hmm. You know, that it has to be this crisis level event. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, especially since we're talking about mindset, one of the things that will help you have a more winning, more productive mindset is if you're taking care of what's going on up in here. Right. Um, so one of the reasons I think it's huge is having someplace that's a safe space that is specifically held for you, where when you have conversations, number one, you're not sitting filtering through that information we were talking about before. What should I tell them this? Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. they gonna tell? Because you yeah. know, you know, we wonder about those things, uh, <laughs> and just kind of hold space and then be able to help you move through your challenges. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things I think that's huge is for, for the African diaspora, but especially women Mm -hmm. of the diaspora, Mm -hmm. is the amount of untreated trauma that's in our communities and how that shows up in work, your personal life, your relationships, and just overall quality of life. And being Mm -hmm. able to do this work even outside of crisis will benefit you on so many other levels, it typically will help you be more productive. You'll be mm-hmm. have more mental clarity. You'll be more efficient, which gives you more of a personal life. Mm-hmm. You can have healthier relationships. If you want to be coupled, it puts you in a better place to be healthy, to be in a coupled relationship. It helps you be a better daughter, helps you be a better auntie, right. a better sister, mm-hmm. better mom, all of those things. And also the other big thing that I think a lot of times we don't talk about as women mm-hmm is holding space for the wide variety of identities women have, especially when we're talking about women in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. Because previously, the identity of women was totally sucked into this idea that as a woman, you're a wife and a mom. Yep. 
And now we're at a place where there are so many single women over 30 and over 40 Mm -hmm. that there has to be room for these multiple narratives of what being a woman is. And with because without those narratives, you end up seeing people that are self-sabotaging, self-destructive or just depressed, anxious or just overwhelmed. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, what question I I don't know her marital status. I'm married. I mean, I see a ring. 28 years. But, you know, it's like if if you're single over a certain age, the question you're always going to get is, when are you having kids? Mm -hmm. When are you getting married? What's wrong with you that you're not married? Mm. Yep. And literally everything else you've done is invalidated by the fact that you're not married and don't have kids. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of space, and I'm really happy we're starting to have more narrative space for these other ways that people age and that legacy isn't just having children. Right, all right. Finding your true self and being Mm -hmm. happy with that. So as we think about women and aging in the menopause piece uh, and and just our mental health on Mm -hmm. how to process that, because I think for me personally, like when I started to go through menopause, Mm -hmm. which I started early, you know, I was feeling some kind of way, even though, you know, mm-hmm. I always knew I was cute and blah, <laughs> blah. But when I, when it really hit me, I'm like, I am just feeling some kind of way, even though, again, it's just part of life. And I had to go back to the mindset model mm-hmm. that I always use as it relates to anything that I go through on, okay, Stella, are you going to continue to feel mm-hmm. this kind of way as it relates to society? I know, you know, menopause kind of, I was almost shameful, if you were kind of ashamed, yeah. if you will. Or are you just going to grab the bull by the horns and you just, you just go with it? So I had to, but I, but I was, I was feeling some kind of way about it. And I did not want to talk to my husband about it because I did feel like, oh, what is he going to think? And is he going to still think I'm sexy? And, you know, so, and I have talked to some friends, but I never really, you know, I always feel, and I'm getting my own therapy session here now. I won't that, judge um, I feel like uh, at times, like, I need to have all the answers. I need to have all the answers for my family or for my girlfriends. Like, I need to have those answers. I don't need to go ask mm-hmm. for help or whatever. So, and I think a lot of women are like that. So what tips and, and wisdom nuggets would you have for me and, and, and other women that may feel like that at times? Like, you know, you just, I need to have all the yeah. answers. Well, the first tip is give yourself grace on the fact that most of us, I'm not saying how old I am on this TV, but I'm, <laughs> I'm older than I look, okay. is that our mothers and our grandmothers didn't talk about menopause. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, you'd hear some some grumblings of the change. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't really talking about it, which it reminds me, I don't know. Do you watch Bridgerton? I have not. I know. My sister has told me a million times, Stella, look. But so there's, there's a part in Bridgerton where Daphne is getting ready to get married. This is the daughter, and she's mm-hmm. young. And she's having this conversation with her mother about what's going to happen on her wedding night. Mm -hmm. And her mom gives all these random analogies to nothing that this child knows nothing about sex, Mm -hmm. nothing about being naked with a dude, none of this stuff. And I feel like it's the same type of setup when it comes to menopause and the time that's before it that people start seeing changes, which is perimenopause, which people really don't talk about, is that the first thing is give yourself grace because you're flying blind. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I feel like we're finally getting to a time where women are starting to talk about these things. Right. Because the first thing is, is if no one talks about it, you don't even know who to talk to about this. Mm-hmm. You know, think about just the conversations you've had, um, like with my friends. We didn't even really start talking about sex and, you know, vibrators mm-hmm. and whatever till you hit your 30s and your 40s. And mm-hmm. then there are all these conversations about all of these things that happen right. that when you were younger, nobody talked about. Right. And I think it's the same way when it comes with that. So first is give yourself some grace. Mm-hmm. Number two is find find credible sources of information because yeah. in the age of TikTok mm-hmm. and the interwebs gone wild, mm-hmm. is there so much information out there, but all information isn't good information. I do right. know some people that give really great information. Some of my business besties are actually integrative OBGYNs. Mm-hmm. But finding credible information sources and getting to a point where we start talking about these things with our friends and with our family mm-hmm. and also with your doctor. Right. Um, and talk about how you feel about it. Because I think that's the thing is, that's it's kind of like, thing. are you yeah. having hot flashes? And yep. when was your period? Yeah. Oh, it's been less than a year. You start to clock over. Yeah. But people aren't asking how you actually feel about it. Right. Because so much of the identity of women is, women is actually tied to childbearing capacity, regardless if you're, if you're trying to have a kid at this point or right. not. Right. But it's all wrapped, wrapped into that. And one thing, I, the other thing is that you brought up is, mm-hmm. These stages of life go best when your partner is actually actively involved so they understand what's going on. They can be Mm -hmm. empathic and compassionate and help because some of the biggest things that get in people's way, you know, one is hot flashes are hella, hella inconvenient, especially if they happen in professional settings. No one wants to be the person at the boardroom sweating like a pig. Right. No, exactly. Nobody wants to be that. Right. Um, but also, it's that irritability that can come or mm-hmm. some of that light sadness mm-hmm. or the brain fog mm-hmm. that get in the way that if you don't know what's going on, people have literally showed up at my door like, hey, am I going crazy? And it's like, no. You're just going through? Let, let me send you to someone to check your hormones. Right, right. You know, there, there are things they can do. But it's, it's one of those things where it starts mi- mimicking other things. Yeah. But if people don't know, it can infect, affect how you think and how, you, how you're interacting. And then it becomes a secret. And it's like, why is she forgetting stuff? Or right. why is she a little sharp? And mm-hmm. we've all dealt with men, um, you know, and I, I'm, I don't have anything against dudes. Mm-hmm. I'm cool. But it's also there's this culture of dismissing everything for women as hormones. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's just on her period. Right. Uh, she's just on a change. Right. And it's a lot more complicated Definitely. dynamic yeah. than that, that mm-hmm. if we are able to get to a space where we can all have more open conversations around this, well, then everyone can support each other. Like your women friends or women in your life can support you, but also the men in your life can be yeah. supportive. Your husband can be supportive. Yeah. You know, men that have women on their teams can actually be supportive and help bring out the best of their employees. Mm -hmm. And the other reason to have these conversations with your husband Mm -hmm. is one of the things that happens with perimenopause and menopause is people start having vaginal dryness. Right. What -hmm. happens with vaginal dryness? Sex doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. What happens when sex doesn't feel good? You don't don't want to have sex. (laughs) What happens when you don't want to have sex and your husband doesn't know why you don't want to have sex? He's like, well, she don't want me no more. What happens when they think you don't want them anymore? They have sex with somebody else. I mean, there are so many ways this can go that's totally unnecessary if we start having these conversations. And I agree. It's the communication and the education. I think what I had to do, like I said, is is really get grounded in what, you know, like the when— well, let me say, when I was pregnant, I received a book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. Yes. 
And I read that book and I just knew what was going to happen. So we need that kind of book around menopause, I think. And I did do a lot of research to ensure that I understood what was going to happen. And then I finally started to talk. You know, I gradually mm-hmm. kind of, t- my husband knew something was going on because mm-hmm. he's like, girl, are you mad? What you want me? What did I do? Something? <laughs> What's going on? But we had the conversation. So I think the more I got educated, I educated mm-hmm. him. And then he was able to, okay, is there anything I need to do? Do I just need to be quiet or is there somebody to get you? So, you know, he definitely, once I felt comfortable sharing everything with him, he was very helpful. He was very helpful. Oh, and I love that you're bringing that out is because one of the things that I think having a human experience all of us can work on Mm -hmm. is that element of communication and being able to tell people how to support you in a way that Mm -hmm. feels good. Because there are times where people want to help and they don't know what to do or they do something you're like, oh, that's not helpful. (laughs) So a lot of times it's helpful if we can actually tell people what's going to feel good and be supportive for us. And the brain fog. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask, you know, some people are like, I'm having a senior moment. And the brain fog piece is real. It's real, y'all. When you go through menopause, it's real. So can you give us a little more information on like the brain, like why that happens? And is there anything you can do about it? Probably one of the things that's most effective with helping the brain fog is actually working with um, an OBGYN that um, they... There are different things that they can do that can help either regulate hormones Mm -hmm. or that are non-hormone treatments that can assist with menopause. Those are probably the things that are going to be most effective for brain fog. Mm -hmm. Um, But on top of that is also decreasing things that are just stealing from your mental capacity so you have a little bit more to work with. And and I really am glad we're talking about brain fog because I feel like there's more conversations around brain fog now, mm-hmm. also because it was one of the hugest things that people were seeing um, after having COVID. Yeah, yeah. Um, was the brain fog. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm going to let your audience know, um, from a mental health standpoint, we call it cognitive <laughs> cognitive blunting. So okay. you can sound really smart. Be like, you have cognitive blunting. But it just means when you're not having that mental clarity, you're having that brain fog and not thinking as, as quickly. And some people may even also have some word finding difficulties. Mm-hmm. But it's one of the reasons I think it's important to be able to have those conversations with your OBGYN. And if your OBGYN doesn't really deal with a lot of the different treatments and the things that can be done around that, then you may need to have a consultation with someone that specializes in it. Because there are, okay. there are quite a few that specialize specifically in perimenopause and, menopo- and menopause. Yeah, and you know, that's, I know perimenopause has been around. I mean, I'm just really starting to read more on it. And, you know, I'm like, well, was I going through perimenopause or was I really going through menopause? It was my understanding that once you've had a full year of no cycle, not having a mm-hmm. cycle anymore, then that's menopause. Correct. That's my understanding. Is that correct? It's it's correct. But okay. one of the things that gets women in trouble, not in trouble, yeah. but it's ridiculous, is it's like someone can go 9, 10, 11 months, and 11 months and 15 days, and then it's like, period. Like, ah. <laughs> Starting the clock over, and that doesn't right. mean all the symptoms stopped. Right. You know, so I think that's one of the, the hugest things about it. And then actually being able to see, be seen by compassionate professionals yeah. because then there's a part of clinical knowledge that's necessary to be able to separate out who's the person that is having some mood dysregulation and brain fog that's specifically more related to perimenopause and menopause mm-hmm. versus someone that's having similar symptoms that it's more due to depression. Got it. Okay. So a lot of times I will actually work together with 
with OBGYNs sometimes too. Oh, that's nice. And I like when you said you're uh, business besties or some, I like yes. that business besties. So one last wisdom nugget around just the importance of mental health, regardless if it's the aging journey or not, what would you tell the audience? If I had one nugget is you matter. Mm -hmm. Your mental health matters. Your quality of life matters. You're not going to have your best quality of life if you don't actually address your mental health. Get a therapist, y'all. <laughs> um, oh, can I say one other thing? Yes, you can. Um, is it okay if I tell your audience the difference between, um, I know people will ask what's the difference between like a psychologist, a therapist, mm -hmm. and a psychiatrist. Yes, mm -hmm. So a psychiatrist goes to medical school. So we do four years of medical school on top of college, mm -hmm. along with four years of general psychiatry training. Then if we subspecialize, then that's time on top of that. So then like I did four years of general, then I did two years of child and adolescent. And we have a variety of specialties. Mm -hmm. um, given that we are specifically also trained to be able to utilize medication when it's appropriate, right. to be able to also help assess if it's some medical, physical condition that is kind of hiding out and looking like mental health. Mm -hmm. um, some that are very common that a lot of people know about is if your thyroid is janky. Mm, then it's okay. common to then start having mental health symptoms. And then there are actually some antihypertensives that can make people look depressed. Um, Post-stroke, it's common. It's not uncommon to get um, depression. But just mm -hmm. to be able to look at that medical model. Okay. Um, but also we do do therapy. And that's right. one thing. People sometimes think that only psych all psychiatrists do is give people medication. That is actually not the case. Okay. Um, my personal feeling is minimal medication for maximum effect. Mm -hmm. Psychologists are typically masters or PhD level mm -hmm. people that have trained specifically in psychology. You'll see after their name either PhD or PsyD. Right. Therapist is a term that covers a wide variety of specialties of people that can provide therapy. So psychologists do therapy, but they also can, they're the only discipline that does psychological or neuropsychological testing. Okay. A therapist could be a psychiatrist, a psychologist, it could be a social worker, or it could be a person, a licensed clinical counselor, a variety of different disciplines that provide therapy. So they'll, they'll say therapist and it can mean any of us, okay. but everyone can't do specifically what a psychiatrist or a psychologist does. Gotcha. No, that was great clarity because I wasn't sure, you know, I was mm -hmm. with you. I thought like psychiatrists, mm -hmm. they of course can prescribe medicine, et cetera, but thank you for the clarity on that. Dr. Goodwin, you mentioned about holding space for ourselves. Could you expound on that? What does that mean, like holding space for yourself? There are two, I'd say two ways to really hold space for yourself. One is, one is giving yourself grace and, and just time. Mm -hmm. And being comfortable pausing okay. to be able to take in your experiences, process, and to just have that space for yourself. The next is holding space for yourself with people as far as making sure that there's a space where there are safe people in your life. Mm -hmm. They're going to really be there for you. And then there's the third. Mm -hmm. I know. I told a story. I said two, three. It's right. um, is, is being in places where people hold space for you. And that's people that are going to actually listen to you, mm -hmm. give you cues that they're listening. Mm -hmm. Have you ever had that person that before you finish talking, they're always interrupting you to tell you what they think you're going to say. Right, right. 
And it's not like every once in a while it's just constantly and you're like, but that's not what I was even saying. And you know they weren't really listening because mm-hmm. they were too busy telling you what you're about to say. Mm-hmm. Is having people, and that's one of the reasons I love having therapists, is they're going to hold space and be there specifically to actively listen and to be non-judgmental mm-hmm. and to be looking to listen for you versus someone that's just on their phone, scrolling through, checking out the IG, <laughs> wow. Not being present. Yeah, and they're not present. Yeah. Thank but you. But I've got one last thing. Okay. I know they said I have five minutes left, but this challenge I'd like to kind of play with you here on. And this challenge is all about, again, mindset okay. and changing the mindset uh, of just society of women as we age, that it's not the end, right? So I'm going to say a word or a few words um, that society may have deemed negative as we age. And then I want you to flip the script and say like the first positive thing that kind of comes to mind. So a quick example is like wrinkles, I would say wisdom Mm -hmm. for that. So first word is aging. Seasoned. Seasoned. Someone else said seasoned. (laughs) So what's your take on the seasoned piece? Well, it's it's the combination of it's not just the wisdom, it's the confidence that comes with it mm-hmm. of of having this lived experience so you can move through the world more unapologetically because you earned it. Yes. Love it. Love it. Menopause. No more pads <laughs> and tampons. I did like that part of it. Yeah, I did like that I mean, that who, part who wants to sit and then all of a sudden you're like, you have an outfit planned and you're like, dog, I can't wear that outfit because <laughs> it's white and it's my period or I, I, this vacation is really not convenient <laughs> for this period or, oh my God, I might leak. I need a towel in a bit. Right. Nobody wants that. No one has said that, but I like, I, I do like that part of it. I like that part. Uh, and lastly, girl, you're too sexy. You're too old to be sexy. There is no age limit on the sexy. These young girls wish they were as sexy as all the women <laughs> that are a little older. That's right. We're leaving the roadmap for them. This is how, this is how you want to be. You don't need three-inch eyelashes to be cute. <laughs> exactly. Did I say that out loud? You did. You did. To each his own. That's fine. But we're leaving the roadmap. We're leaving the roadmap. I still love all of you all that wear long eyelashes. <laughs> Well, thank you again, Dr. Goodwin. This was great information. Um, again, I think we all know that mental health is so important, regardless of, you know, if you're going through the aging journey or not. But I appreciate you uh, sharing your, your knowledge. Thank, so you thank you so much. Thank Thanks you. for having me. Yes, thank you. And thank you, Zeal Nation, again, for being here today. Join us each week. We've got some really great conversations that impact us as we age. And we want to ensure that everyone is informed, educated, And validate, we validate here, that maturity brings strength, wisdom, and superpowers. Zeal, Aging Redefined. I'm Stella Ringer, your Chief of Aging Fabulous, and I'll see you next time.